Peace to the planet. I go by the name of Charlemagne the God. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but I have partnered with iHeartRadio to launch a brand new network called The Black Effect, all right? Podcast network. The place where black culture is celebrated and black voices are heard. One of the shows that, you know, I love, I was a fan of before we even partnered with each other is my man Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, collectively known as All The Smoke, okay? All The Smoke is a podcast that talks about basketball, but really they just talk about life, man. And, you know, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, they don't bite their tongue for nobody. Uh, some people call them outspoken. Some people call them controversial. I just call them two real black men. All right. Two real men of color. All right. Two real individuals, period. All right. Uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. I, I've been on the show and that felt surreal for me because I'm such a you know fan of the show, man. But just to be able to say those are my partners and, you know, they rocking with the black effect. That means more than you would ever know, man. So in a second, you'll get to hear an episode I appeared on for the show. And if you like it, I hope you'll go find all the smoke in your podcast listening app and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. Season two, all the smoke from our beautiful New York location. Excited about today's guest. Uh, someone I really look up to in this space. One of the strongest black voices to me. In the country, Charlemagne. Matt, the God. Thank you, bro. Good time. Thank you for having me, man. Exactly. You know, What's happening? You know, I love oh, all the man. smoke. I, I love when I get this opportunity to actually be on shows that I actually fuck with. listen to and fuck with. You yeah. know what I yeah. mean? That's how we it's feel about right. Breakfast Club. That's only right. We'll get into how we're really working together later. But uh, let's just <laughs> let's get into it, man. The, the the climate of America is on the brink of changing. I think it's it, it finally reared its naked head and, and people are starting to realize that there's some real issues here. What is your just thought of where we're at as a society right now? I think wherever we're at, it's, it's no going back. I'm, I'm one of them dudes that first voted in 08 mm -hmm. when President Obama you know, mm -hmm. was in the White House. And I'm going to be honest, I only voted for him because he was black. Right. He was black and he was cool. He had mm -hmm. the culture, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think right now a lot of us are more politically sophisticated. And we understand that you have to have the right people in office to make certain things happen you know and I think those rose-colored glasses that we all wore when Barack was in the White House that's over yep. like I don't care if, if it's Joe Biden and Senator Harris whoever's in there we're not just gonna be in love with them because, because they're in there you know what I mean that's not where the change comes the change comes is continuing to push once they get in the White House so I think wherever we're at in this country there's no going back because both sides have been exposed right like mm -hmm. we've been to it's not all sweet and now the other side definitely knows it's not all sweet. But then you, we also know that there's a whole other side. Fighting it hard. That don't everything want is fine. To change. What are you nope. talking about? They what like, are you, all this shit you're talking about? Exactly. What are you talking about? It, it, that's what trips me out is we've been able to wake some people up and, and, and heighten their senses and, and step outside of themselves and, and be vulnerable to try to understand the pain uh, that the black community goes through. But there's a lot of people that feel like we're crazy for even addressing this. And what are we talking about? And it's all bullshit. Why, why would they want to relinquish that kind of power? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got power. They got privilege. Why would they want to relinquish it? Mm -hmm. We definitely going to have to fight for that. Right. I, I kind of honestly feel like we're going to be in this spot until Indian and Black Bud have a fingerprint on the Constitution of how this country is actually ran because the mm -hmm. president only can do so much. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then again, I don't believe in voting for the, the, the lesser evil. Evil is evil. You know what I'm saying? And, and if we understand that the system is built for us to be in this position and still fighting to this day, then we have to have a say-so how it's ran. Right. And that's really the only way we're going to stop this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, like I said, we vote for people that we don't even, that have histories of hating us. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So what kind of what kind of situation is that? You know yeah. what I'm saying? We, have, we, we vote for somebody who we know hate us. Yeah. It don't make no sense. The way I kind of look at that situation, though, I mean, since, since, well, since we're here now, I think as a black community, we ask people to understand and try to grow if you are a certain way. So the first thing everyone points out is, is Biden's track record. And by no means am I justifying anything. This is just kind of just the way I kind of look at it. We look at his track record, mm -hmm. and he you could definitely say he was against the black community. Yeah, 86, 86 mandatory minimum sentencing, 88 crack laws where you got more time for crack and coke, 94 crime bill, like, yeah. So you can Shit, definitely like black community. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so for him to say anything other to me, I just, oh, you're right, I made a mistake. That's what I want to hear. That's mm -hmm. it. And then t to me, but the, also, like I said, so the way I'm looking at his track record, he, he's quick to look at my, your track record ain't shit. I'm just going to be honest with you. But to me, it's just like, 
can he possibly change? Can he possibly see through a different lens? Did being with Barack for that amount of time rub off on him? So we're looking at someone who can possibly have changed where he came from. On the other hand, we know who this other, who the current president mm -hmm. is, what he's about, mm -hmm. what his makeup is, who his base is. So to me, it's just like you, people say the lesser two evils, and I would agree to an extent, but I'm looking at someone who can possibly have changed, and if he's in office, he's going to have to prove that he changed because we realize he realized he could be gone after one term if he's able to make it, or are we picking someone who we know who he is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even look at Joe Biden as a change agent. I look at him as a pathway to change because mm -hmm. I, I honestly feel like... Just keeping the seat warm. Old white male leadership... That ain't the pathway to change no more. Mm -hmm. Old white male leadership mm -hmm. got us in this position. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? From the inception of how this country was put together, it was built for this old white male patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And everybody else was considered secondary, third, Absolutely. fourth. So I don't look at either one of them as change agents. I definitely don't look at Biden as a change agent. I definitely don't look at Trump as a change agent. But I think Biden is a pathway to change. To change right? mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 like, like you say, talking about forgiving, let me go back to that. Because you know how they do us. We could be on TV. That's right. All the stuff we're doing right now. That's right. We got a great show. All the stuff I'm doing in the community. But as soon as I get on CNN, the first thing they do is talk about the brawl. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but, yeah. they want, but they want us to forgive. That's they right. say it don't work like that. That's, That's right. right. That's why I personally don't give a fuck about criticizing Joe Biden. You'd be like, <laughs> you shouldn't criticize Joe Biden. You're going to ruin his chances. F all that. Like, why can I not critique him, call out his flaws, call mm -hmm. out his record, and still vote for him? Right. Like, what kind of world do we live in where I'm supposed to just, shy, just be quiet? It's, that's, that's literally, it's like, you're telling people to shut up and vote the way people tell athletes to shut up and dribble. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to shut up and vote. I'm going to vote based off my interests, and I'm going to call out the things I don't like. And if you put some things on the table that I do like, hey, I rock with that. And you saying forgive this person, but you got a cousin that took $2 from you that you, <laughs> that you grew up with your whole life, but you ain't forgave him yet. That's not right. one time. <laughs> you ain't forgave him yet. <laughs> Still, Still mad at him. $2. <laughs> Still <laughs> mad at him. Pivoting a little bit to the social justice movement, you know, I kind of feel like when Kobe passed, it was, it, it's been a domino effect of negative things to happen since then. Uh, we I go back to Nip. Nip yeah, before yeah. the March Nip. before. Life ain't been the same. Right. I ain't gonna lie, I feel Talk like there was a glitch it. in the matrix after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit just been going like... Down, <laughs> down, down. Yo. Down, that's a great point. You know, so we get to the pandemic, and then we get to the George Floyd situation, which, you know, my man right here was was front Absolutely. and center for front one of the, the biggest or if not the biggest protest in, in the history of our country. What was your take from from all that when that George Floyd video hit? Man, I remember exactly why I was at because I was trying to avoid it. And the reason I was trying to avoid it, because I think sometimes, man, we pass we just pass trauma amongst each other. You know, you be mm -hmm. on social media and. It's another video of, of, of it's a video of this person, a video of that person. It's just like, damn, who are we trying to prove? We know what's going on it. in our country. Yeah, like, you get tired of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, the, the other side needs to see that. And I remember my homegirl called me. It was actually, it was Tiffany Haddish. She called me, and we was on the phone, and she was telling me about it, and she was crying. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. And as I'm watching CNN, the video pops up. Mm. So I was forced mm -hmm. to look at it. And I think that the reason that video was so impactful is because of that exact reason. A lot of us that know what's going on, we can avoid it. A lot of uh, white people can definitely avoid it because that ain't even their world at all. But when we were forced to be still because of that coronavirus and we mm, sitting up. at home and we mm. got to watch that eight minutes and 46 seconds, man, when I saw that, my, my immediate thought was I felt defeated. And the reason I felt defeated because I'm like, man, if this, 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 this black man can be out in broad daylight, this cop's kneeling on his neck, I'm watching all the other brothers and sisters around just feeling hopeless. You know what I mean? Not knowing what to do in that moment. I know they want to help. I know they want to react, but they don't want right. to end up dead. It's just like I right. felt defeated. I'm like, what do what what do we do? And then when I saw everybody start tearing shit up and burning shit down, I'm like, what's the what, what other reaction did you expect from people? Like it's only but so much Man. A, a, a community of people can take. Especially in the city where it's been going on. A lot of people didn't even know that. Well, I say when the George Floyd situation hit, unfortunately, when we've like you said, we've become so immune to it, we see police brutality. It, it's it's a shot and kill. We saw for nearly nine minutes a man suffer and beg and plead and call for his dead mom. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. Like, I think that having to see, like you said, having to see that because the world was still is the reason that this, the, the, the light came on. And, and some people said, but then at the same time, 
instantly. He did this and his, his, his past is this and he, he was, he was resisting and he was doing all this and he, you know, he had underlying to like, the, I mean, even the uh, coroner came out and, and gave, you know, a bullshit, uh, yeah. you know, an autopsy uh, result. So it's crazy that even when we, when it's on your face in front of your children to your grandmother mm-hmm. and everyone can see it, you still try to deny shit. Yeah, it was the lack of empathy for me. It, it was just the lack of empathy of watching that 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 devil have his knee on on the brother's neck, mm-hmm. and no, you mean to tell me not one other officer had the empathy to be like, yo, man, just for a second, just for like, a second, on, like, man. God damn, not, so, not one. Until you seen the other interview, I mean, the other view where they go on the other side of the court and all of them and on all top of them, on top of them. <laughs> it's like, yo, what faith are we supposed to have as black people in this system? Like seriously, like that. I, I don't can't remember the young lady neighbor when she said they should be lucky. Black people just want equality right. and not revenge. That mm-hmm. is a very powerful statement mm-hmm. to make because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Like we should all just be tearing this shit up mm-hmm. based off the the history that we based off what we've gone through in this country. And then the first thing they want to point out is the fact that things are getting torn up, but they never want to talk. Well, like, well, why is it getting torn up? <laughs> why are they doing? They're, they're just are they just wild animals? That's the, the way they want to paint us and act, but. Let's address why they're frustrated. Why they're why did Kentucky board up the downtown before they gave yep. the result of the cops? Yep. Because it wasn't because they knew. Why did they tell the cops not to go on vacation and stay? Like because they knew they weren't going to serve justice. Mm-hmm. Like let's look at the root issue of why this other shit is happening. I loved it too though because it activated so many people in our community. Like of all I, colors, man. When I saw Stephen and Trey and Tamika at that press conference, man, I'm just like wow. You know, and I know that it was people telling you to stand down. Yeah. They're like, oh, Steven, you good. You got yeah. millions of dollars. What yeah. you care for? Yeah, yeah. But they, what was that like, though? But they, 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 I mean, you know, I didn't pay no attention to it. You know how I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've always been my brother's keeper. You know what I mean? And like I said, that's the closest person I, I consider my twin ever in my life. You know, even though we wasn't real brothers. But I did what, for him what I do for any one of my brothers. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, I, if, it, if it called for me to go stand up and use my voice and, and my status to speak up, for justice for, for anybody, you know, I, I was going to do it, head up, head up, chest out. But what was it like for you? You've been a leader in locker rooms and on the floor, but what's it like being a leader or a culture for a movement for something that was, the country has never seen, the world has never seen? I just lead with my heart, bro, just try to do what I know is right, you know what I'm saying? I, I treat everybody the same. You know, I don't have a history of racism. I don't have a history of hate towards, towards nobody. So I walk it how I talk it, you know what I mean? I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And what you see is what you get with me. But at the same time, I know I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know, just like we talked about, I might not see what I'm fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But as long as I have, I know I had a hand in it. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm living up. My, my death is going to be worthy. How do you feel, even though you are doing what's right, you're met with so much pushback, resistance, death threats? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that? Because I'm sure you've probably faced it. You're very vocal in, in, in space. I know I've faced it. I'm death threats at yeah. this point, especially yeah. on social media. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get them so much. It's just like, oh, okay, you want to see me dead? I can literally tweet out, thank you, God, for blessing me with another day of life. And somebody be like, I was praying you died. Mm-hmm. Literally mm-hmm. every day. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> it's crazy, right? But fun. but what they don't know is when they do stuff like that, you just showing how you, how much you dying inside. Mm-hmm. You showing yeah. how miserable your life yeah. is, and it, and, but and how powerful we are. And then the, the, they see like Solomon said, why would they ever want to give that away? Yeah, because they see us. They they've done everything they possibly can to keep a whole community, a whole set of people down, we continue to climb the ladder. But that's because we divine, though. I always say that, like, when I, I, I be speaking about black privilege, right, and you know, people hear me say that, and it's like, oh, there's no such thing as black privilege, but I'm not talking about something systemic, I'm talking about something spiritual. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I really do feel like it's a privilege and an honor to be in this black skin, and I feel like where their power lies systemically, our power lies spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why things are shifting now, mm-hmm. because... For, I'm not gonna say for the first time, but for the first time in probably a long time, it's the collective mindset of black people saying, no, something has to uh, change. Yeah. And they're putting energy towards that and speaking it into the universe. And it's just like things are literally shifting around us systemically. Right. Right. Now we're getting a chance to really get like some some systemic change happening. Mm-hmm. So right. I think it's a beautiful thing. At the end of the day, when this year is over, we're gonna look back and be like, "That was the that turning was the point. year that was the that catalyst was to change." You know, mm-hmm. I face a lot of kickback personally because I'm biracial. 
You know, my mom is Italian, my dad is black, and people were like, well, how are you so this, this, and that? Because I've seen the good and bad on both sides. I've got it. I was growing up, I was never white enough, I was never black enough. So I've seen the good side and bad side from both sides. But there was an incident in high school that KKK came and nearly damn near burned my high school down. And that's when I realized, like, no matter how p- proud I am to be biracial, like, I'm looked at as a black man. You and that's look how pure I nigga to me. I never knew he was biracial until he said it. Oh, oh, hey, when you, if you meet his daddy, you'd be like, yeah, you 100% nigga, you meet his daddy, bro. His daddy off the chain. 2.15 two in the morning, that's how purple he is. Yeah. <laughs> people don't understand, like, what, what are you talking about? You're half white. I'm just like, you're right. And I'm, I'm very proud to be that. But in this world, you're not, as a biracial person, you don't get a choice. They make it for you. Right. Like, bi- Obama's biracial. Yep. But what is he? Our first black, black president. president. Yeah. Right. You right. know what I mean? So if you could drop a, a drop of black in you, that's what you are, and people have a hard time, even from the black side. You, you yeah. ain't black. I'm yeah. like, all right, yeah. you got me. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's, there's a lot of inter-battles amongst the bigger battles that need to kind of cease and understand, man, if we come together as black and brown and then all of our other allies throughout the rainbow of colors, we can really make a change. But that's the only yeah. way we're going to do it. It's not just going to be basketball in the bubble. It's not just going to be celebrities. It's going to take all of us together to change something we didn't create in the first place. Right. Do you feel like a sense of privilege? Me? Yeah. Never. Never, right? It's Never have I. And the, people, and people, well, you're rich because I work my motherfucking at me. <laughs> <laughs> just with the ladies. <laughs> but people, like you, like you said earlier, like, Jack, stand down, you're rich. Like, people, that's the first, well, you got money, you don't feel like, but we came from this. We, yeah. This is what we, we came from food stamps. We came from mm-hmm. sharing bedrooms. We came from moving. I came from drugs and drug abuse and violence and, you know, all that kind of shit. I mean, privilege from the white side, though, because the police... No, because I never... I, 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 I wouldn't say privilege. I, I get lucky because I play basketball sometimes, so they'll okay. recognize that gotcha, side. Gotcha. But as far as just, nah... Because regular everyday life, a police officer nah. can't tell that you right. half white. Like, he don't and don't care. Right. Don't give a fuck. You know? Right. If you tell him that, he probably be like we got somebody here on drugs right now. <laughs> Can we send more? You send, send backup, please. What do you feel like the NBA's role has been um, in the bubble? And did you kind of like the idea of them going back, or did you think they shouldn't? Have? I like the idea until Steven made me think twice about it when he said. <laughs> <laughs> I was all for it until I saw Steven say. Man, they don't need to come back. We need to, you know, this is a chance to get some real change. And I was like, damn. So that was a whole other conversation that started. Should they go mm-hmm. back? Should they mm-hmm. not go back? Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like they should have went back because I knew eventually the news cameras were going to go away from the protests. Right. Mm-hmm. And being that I knew the news cameras were going to go away, we needed those brothers on that stage Continuing to do exactly what they are doing. Continuing mm-hmm. to push. You know what I mean? To keep that conversation going. They mm-hmm. did. LeBron did. And I heard you say it on, I think it was the first episode of All the Smoke, where you was talking about how the, the little known players. The lesser known. They just the lesser known players. They didn't have a voice. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have heard We wouldn't have heard them. Exactly. But now when they speak at that bubble, it's a, that, it the, resonates. Yeah, the right. NBA logo. So, and that was my only push. And Jack and I, you know, agreed to disagree in, mm-hmm. in both saw points on both sides because we were on opposite spectrums. Like, I thought just what you said. Like, their voice is much stronger. It's going to resonate. It's going to go around the world when they have the NBA logo behind it. Individually, we're going to hear LeBron, we're going to hear CP, but do we hear Doc's plea? Do we hear George Hill's plea? Do we hear Fred Van Pleet? Like, we don't hear these other pleas if we're not together in that bubble. What do you feel like now that we're coming to an end um, to keep the momentum going that the NBA in particularly can do to keep this message going? I don't, to be honest with you, I'm not sure outside of, like, real donations into the black community. Like, I saw the number that they put up. I think it was like $300 million over 10 years. That ain't shit for the NBA. Spent, no. Hell no. Thank <laughs> but then, you. But then for how 30, do we know where for, it's going? How do we know where it's for going? For 30 exactly. owners, like, that's my, my thing is I just, I, I think the owners should step up because to be honest with you, a lot of these owners are on the exact opposite side of where their players stand. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite side. And when you're an owner, you're a billionaire, you have these connections to be able to start conversations, open up dialogues in whatever political avenue you're in you know what i mean so i just think it's more of because a lot of them didn't want to talk there are some that went out of their way to talk there's a lot of coaches that went out of their way to talk but a lot of them sat on their kept their mouth shut and Mm -hmm. sat on their hands Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so to me it's more about align with your players understand what your players are talking about even if you may not completely agree but just have this conversation and we need the owners and players to come more together and you hit it on the head 300 million sounds like a lot to the average people, but over 10 years, with, Hell no. if you think about it, these owners are playing each, you know, they're two star players over 300 million. Mm-hmm. You know what Easy. I mean? So it's mm-hmm. not for 30 people to come up. It's, that wasn't, I think it's a great start, but I think it's not enough and we have to continue to 
keep pressure on them because they're, you know, their arenas are in these predominantly poor cities. And, you know, you, people have to budget a whole month's salary to go to a game and mm-hmm. take a family and to get food and, and to buy, you know, merchandise and that kind of stuff. So I like I like Robert Smith's 2% plan where he wanted all of these top corporations to put 2% of their net income into black-owned banks mm-hmm. because then the black-owned banks could take care, basically, mm-hmm. of the community. People right. know they get loans, you mm-hmm. know, house loans, whatever it is. That's dope. They, that, that's something the NBA should commit to because a lot of these problems that we have in these communities can be fixed by people with money. They don't got to wait on government. Mm-hmm. So they should be talking. And, and I also think the NBA needs something kind of like um, the NFL has with the Inspire Change thing. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, what the thing Rock Nation them is heading. Like they need somebody to dictate where that money goes. Mm-hmm. Like give it to the brothers that's already on the ground yeah. doing things. And it's yeah. not necessarily a big name. Some of these big name corporations are just sucking money away, and it's not. We mm-hmm. don't have no. But get in touch. You should have like a city leader in every city that you trust, or some kind of liaison that tells you like, yo, that group over there is really that's doing right. something for that. That that's group right. over there is this. So let's allocate. Let's throw them three million. Let's throw them seven. You know what I mean? That's so right. to really know where the money is, because until you're walking, because every neighborhood is different. Houston's problems and Atlanta's problems are different than mm-hmm. the, the, the problems in Sacramento and Oakland. You know what I mean? So you have to be in tune with who's in these cities to see which programs best fit and best work in these cities. But there needs to be transparency on where this money is definitely going. I thought the NBA did a great job of keeping the players safe first and foremost uh, with being in the bubble and, and being tested and, and, and doing a great job with that. And then you see this administration, reckless, maskless, <laughs> calling it a hoax, making fun of whatever, and now the president has it. Like, yeah. What kind of irony I don't is even, that? I don't think that's irony. I think he earned it. I think <laughs> he. he des- I, I think he earned it, and he got exactly what he deserved. Like if you're gonna throw your middle finger to something and act like it doesn't exist, that's usually the thing that punches you right in your right. face. And that's what happened with COVID. And what did he say when he got the number of how many people died? It is what it is. It is what it is. It is. And what so it you is. cannot feel bad for people feeling like that towards him. Now no. I'm not. I'm the type of person I don't wish death on no, nobody. I don't wish death on him at all. But I don't even believe he really got the shit. I he would have to die in order for me to believe that he <laughs> really got it. I'm being honest with you, because it's, it's October. We got that whole October surprise thing going on. and You saw someone tweeted maybe two weeks ago, this is going to be, I posted it the other day, since this it. is going to be Trump's October surprises. He's going to be sick, and he's going to dominate the headlines for two weeks on how hard he's working with these fake pictures of him working and scribbling his name on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like, it, the gimmicks are incredible. And it might be a cash-out plan, right? If he know that he's leaving in, in, in November, right? He know he's getting voted out. He might have an investment into the pharmaceutical company. Mm. And he's out there telling people he's taking these experimental cocktails. I saw the stock shoot up for, um, it's something with an R. I can't Bleach? Remember. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something with an R. I can't remember the name of the pharmaceutical company. Nice but, but, it, but it shot up 2% mm-hmm. after he told everybody he took this experimental cocktail. And they from Queens. He from Queens. The people, the founders of the company. I don't know. That's just how I be thinking. He's man. always I had think a mean, everything a conspiracy I've not, I, I, He's always had a mean hustle to me. Before this presidency and before he kind of showed his head or whatever hand he's had to play to get to where he's at, he's always had a mean. He hasn't always won, but he's always been a mean, hustling, business happy. He's trying to benefit. He got a motive in everything he's doing, bro. Yeah. Well, at, I mean, it's... What role would you like to see the black community play... Um, not only amongst us coming together, but on the federal level and in the state level of, of, of power. We need more black people wanting to be a part of that system. You know what I'm saying? Because even though I think the whole system needs to be overhauled, everything, I, I think they need to start over. We need to write a whole new constitution, a whole new yeah. bill of rights, everything, because we were not at that table when those things were initially written. But until we can do that, we got to have people that are in these positions of power and we have to empower them in order to be able to give them the strength they need to stand up to that system. Because what happens is a lot of us get in those positions and we just go along to get along. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're not trying to rock the boat too much. It's just like, so what's, what's the point of you being there? Right. We don't need black faces, you know, in those spaces just because. I right. want you in there because you care about our interests. So I would encourage, like when I see Scarface running for political mm, office yeah. in Houston. I like that. Yeah, I want to yeah. do some shit like that, yeah. I know you want to yeah. run for mayor. Yeah. I, 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 I want to see Killer Mike get in the politics. Yeah. I want to see people that I know have our interests at heart mm-hmm. get involved. Now, a lot of us might be scared because we know them background checks is crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. But <laughs> who cares? Right. You know what I'm saying? So it is, though. It's so it is. It's so it is. The background's crazy, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just want to see more of us in those positions of power, and I want them to know that we got their back and we're empowering them 
to really show up as their full selves. And that's really the biggest thing, right? You're right, because that's been our biggest problem. We scared to get behind our brother. And even though we know any going in direction, we scared to get behind it because we want to lead instead of just following that's him right. and being a team player. Mm, mm, that's right. our biggest it. problem. I always say it. you can get you can get way more done when you stop worrying about who get the credit for. Right. Mm. I mean that's what that's a Doc Rivers thing. Be a star in your role. I mean everyone has a role to play. We can all we all have a role to play in together. You know? We know who the leaders are. Like when I see Tamika Mallory is my leader. Yeah. If you, have yeah. to, if you have to call yourself the leader, you're probably not the you're leader. You're probably not the leader. Everyone right. like, like, if you have to give yourself a nickname, my nigga, that's not really your nickname. Right. You know what I mean? Like, your nickname is... <laughs> I'm killer. Right. Someone else is supposed... Because you're so dope at what you're doing is how you're supposed to be a leader or how you get these nicknames. So, anyway, so how do we get to this point? Your upbringing, your parents, Jehovah Witness, your dad was went from Jehovah to practicing Islam. Um, what was that like growing up? in a situation like that? I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have no say in the matter, you know? You're, you're, my grandmother's a Baptist, mom a Jehovah Witness. When mom said, get up, and it's time to go to the Kingdom Hall, it's time to go to the Kingdom Hall. When my dad gets this fellowship from the Kingdom Hall, and he gets into Islam, and he hands me the autobiography of Malcolm X, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. When he hands me Message to the Black Man by Elijah Muhammad, yeah. I read Message to the Black Man by Elijah Muhammad. When he tells me to sit down, and you're gonna watch these speeches from Donald Minister Lewis Farrakhan, I sit down and I watch those speeches. It's really just about what sticks with you as you get older. And what mm. I realize is a little bit a little bit of all of it. Mm. The stuff that Jehovah's Witnesses taught, it stuck with me. You know, except for the holidays. My 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 wife and kids love the holidays. So we <laughs> definitely do Christmas. But being a Muslim, uh, Islam, like all of that stuff sticks. I don't really consider myself anything, but there's a little bit of everything from a little bit of from something all from of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta relearn yourself. You gotta reteach yourself too. A lot of stuff that I was taught as a kid, I don't believe now mm-hmm. because as a as a as a man and adult, I understand stuff differently. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of stuff was told. You told seen you, a point of view, but a lot of stuff was told to you as a kid to really to put a band-aid over some shit and, right. not, and not really give you the full understanding. That's right. But as you become an adult, some of those things you don't believe, you understand now. I yeah. heard you say, uh, I don't even know what show it was. If we were just talking off air. Blame it on the weed, not my heart. That you you've learned more in this this last six eight months than you remember learning your whole life. Yeah, like because you educated yourself and, and, and made the effort to educate. Because yourself. I want to know what I'm talking about. You know, mm-hmm. I ain't never talked to you about going back to school and get my history degree. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying I'm in the process of doing that because it sparked when when bro died. It, it sparked something. God put me in a position that I didn't ask for, like I always say. But it sparked something that was supposed to happen and my heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. So everything that I'm trying to do, I want to know what I'm talking about right. and being educated about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the that. same way. I just know that I'm never going to be as smart as some people. Like, you hear Michael Eric Dyson talk. Oh, yeah, nah. You nah, hear nah. Killer Mike talk. No. You be yeah. like, hey, man, they just got it. I just, yeah, I just <laughs> want to words that I yeah. can't, I never understand. <laughs> to me, my thing is just knowing what I'm talking about. I can't That's be, it. you know what I mean? Some people are blessed to be educated and be able to just spit that. Like, some of these rap, like Jay-Z is just very intelligent. Yeah. They can just put it out there. I just want to have a proper understanding of things. Right. And even when we go back talking about religion, I remember when I started doing personal Bible study with one of the brothers at the kingdom. He would come to my mom's house and do personal study with me. And as I started to read the Bible for myself, a lot of it just didn't make sense. Like I say, Adam was the first man. Eve was the first woman. They had Cain. They had Abel. Cain kills Abel and goes off and finds a wife. Like, well, who? I yeah, thought there was only yeah. four people on the planet. Yeah, what yeah, it's what a happened? Lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's then, a lot, bro. And it's just like, I remember, I remember reading uh, Deuteronomy 14.8. I think Deuteronomy 14.8 says, you should not touch the flesh of a dead pig, nonetheless eat it. And I remember asking the brother about that because oh, you know, we, we from the South. We love mm-hmm. pork. He's like, oh, if you pray over the food, you know, it's cool. It's good. So I'm like, but the Bible also says don't have sex before marriage. So if I pray over the pussy before <laughs> I have sex with <laughs> Same same? Same same? Is that just crazy? He couldn't explain that as easy as he did the pork, though. I never understood it. Yeah. It's really both pork. They both pork. They both right. pork. <laughs> as a teen, uh, you got in your fair share of trouble selling drugs, witnessed a shooting, got arrested, had to go to jail, and you, you sat down for 41 days. Charlemagne had that pack? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what it was? I was in high school getting in so much trouble, right? And, like, my dad was, my dad, my dad is a, a street dude. Like, mm-hmm. he comes from that. Like, you know, my dad had his bouts with alcohol and mm-hmm. cocaine, but he also was a, a guy that was good with his hands, so he had his construction business as well, you know what I mean? So he had kind of, like, that balance, but he knew that, the lifestyle I was living, he would always say, you're going to end up in jail, Damn. dead, uh-huh. or broke sitting under the tree. That was his uh-huh. thing to me. And so when I started getting in so much trouble in school, I got kicked out of two high schools. I got kicked out of Berkeley High School in Mons Corner. So what kind of trouble was it, though? Like Disruption, man. Okay. You know what I mean, you in class. South you, Carolina. Yeah, you cutting up in class, class clowns, uh-huh. fighting, just doing dumb shit. Like, mm-hmm. just, just dumb kid shit. Uh-huh. 
And so then they transferred me to Scrafford because that's where my mom went to school at. And it's just like, that was around 16, 17. So then you start dabbling into other things. You know, you see your boy selling weed. You yeah. see your boy selling a little dope. And you're like, well, let me get into that. Let me try to figure it out. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and then I'm, I'm just the guy who hung around those guys for a while before I got involved. You know, but the first time I went to jail, one of my homeboys shot at somebody. And, you know, that whole no snitching thing. Right. So when they come to pick us yeah. up, it's just yeah. like, yeah. all right. So everybody, every, everybody got hit with a it was a assault and battery with intent to kill charge. Mm. So everybody got everybody. How old were you at that age? I think 16, 17, because they, they came and got me from high school. And I was either repeating 10th grade. Uh, <laughs> I think I was repeating 10th grade, so therefore I was supposed to be in 11th grade. So they were looking at 11th grade class? Most motherfuckers say, either I was in the 9th grade or 10th grade. It's what Either I was repeating 10th grade. Oh, no, no, no. Once I got to high school, it was all bad. I failed, I failed 9th grade, then went to summer school pass, went to 10th, then failed 10th. And when I failed 10th, I think my pops was like, nah, you staying in 10th. So I stayed in 10th. Because I was supposed to graduate in 96, I graduated in 98. And Same with me. Over real? Yeah, I, I, I'm just regular. I'm, I'm just, That's what I was supposed to oh, graduate. Oh, that's your class? <laughs> yeah, we're 96. Oh, you're 96? Yeah, okay, we're okay, okay, the same okay, age. Okay, okay. Yeah, Jack okay. said he checked out in like 10th grade too. Yeah, 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 I really checked out. I, I really checked <laughs> you out. You didn't graduate high school? Yeah, I graduated, okay, but okay. I checked out way same. before that. Two, same. three years before that. And you were playing ball? <laughs> it was all about hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all about hoop. It was ball and pussy. The teachers was cool with it though. They didn't care. Yeah, they was cool with it back then. Now they telling on you. They was part of the plan back then. They rocking with it. They want to see you make it. Right. Now they got their own motives. <laughs> what was the path that got you going into radio? How did you know that was your calling? Or did it happen? You wanted it? How did it? Honestly, man, radio was the first thing that I ever did in my life that felt constructive and positive. Mm. Because before that, like, I was running the streets. The first time, you know, when you first get out of jail, you got to get a job, mm. right? So you I worked at Industrial Acoustics Company. It's like a warehouse. Got fired from there in two weeks. Then I worked in a flower garden. I worked there for a week. That, that shit was modern day slavery. It was like me and a bunch of Mexicans out there. And I'm like, this ain't for me. Like, so I quit that after a week. And then I don't say modern day slavery either. I, that's, I hate when people compare things to slavery. But it, it, was, it was, wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. Then I worked at um, a clothing store called Demo in the Mall. I remember Demo. Yep. And then I did telemarketing. So I was the guy that would call your house and try to sell you 10 CDs for a penny. So, <laughs> and I worked at Taco Bell at one point. My sister, she fired me after two weeks. But I'm saying all that to say, I, I, I wanted to do anything except for be in the street. Right. That's it. I did not want to be in the street oh, whatsoever. So your sister fired you after two weeks? After two weeks. She was a manager? She was the manager. She hired me and fired me. Uh, how much free Taco Bell did you get during that time? Though? Too much. That's why you that got fired. That's why too you much. got fired. Too I remember much. the plug, Taco Bell plug in high school with the lip. But that's why I, I just wanted to do something positive. And I, I, I remember reading this acronym for peace, and it was positive energy activates constant elevation. So I knew as long as I'm out here doing something positive, things will grow, things will grow, things will grow. And then like most dudes in the hood, I wanted to rap. I'm clearly too short to want to play ball. So it's just like the people who I saw on TV that was successful that looked like me were usually in rap mm-hmm. or athletics. So I started picking up the pen and writing. And I, I remember being in this recording studio. I met this guy named Willie Will. And he did local radio at D93 Jams in Charlton. And I just asked him, I said, yo, how'd you get in the radio? He was like, I went down there and I got an internship. And I'm like, yo, is that easy? He was like, yeah. Now, this is 1998 in Charleston, South Carolina, so I ain't had to be in college or none mm-hmm. of that. And so that's what I did. I went down there and I got an internship. And like just being in that environment, Mm-hmm. Like the radio, you know what I mean? Watching artists come in and out and being in concerts and stuff. I'm like, this is what I want to do. It sparks up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. This is what I want to do. When did you come to New York? How old were you then? 2006. Came to New York for the first, well, not the first time. I had been to New York once before. So I, ain't, I didn't get on a plane until I was like 21 years old. 21, 22 years old. I don't even remember when that was. I remember uh, I came up here because uh, my, my people's uh, Never So Deep Records, Dr. Robert Evans, his son, Bless, they had a, 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 reco- a studio, I mean, a, a record label called Never So Deep. And so they was up here mixing records, and um, I flew up here with them for one weekend. But then to live up here, I came here in 2006. And that's because Wendy Williams and her husband, they were looking for a co-host I didn't even know. And I happened to be up here with them for a party, and she invited me on her show. And I was on her show for like 20, 25 minutes. And literally that night, they was offering me her co-host slot. But mm. they was like, yo, we can't pay you. We can give you a place to stay. I'm like, shit, I'm making $8 an hour in Columbia, South Carolina right now. I might as well mm-hmm. make that move to New York and see what happens. And that's what I did. I worked with her for a year and a half for free. How was that? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was the best and worst time of my life. Learned a lot, I'm sure. Learned a lot from her just because she's such she's such a great radio personality, such a great media personality. But I also learned how not to treat people when mm. you are in that position, position. Mm-hmm. that they were in. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I always say that was the best and the worst experience of my uh, of my life. Because, yeah, they were terrible to people. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, you hear that, with, with, and I wonder, because I don't know, and I don't like to judge, but you hear that about Ellen and how she had to hold, do a whole makeshift with her crew behind the scenes because people said they weren't treated right. So it's, that, 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 that kind of stuff used to fly under the radar, but that shit's not flying no nah. more. And it's a good position to be in now, though, because once you call somebody like Ellen out, the only apology is change behavior. Mm-hmm. So now her staff probably getting... Car services on you. and bonuses. On you. And Can I help you? Do you need yeah. something? Rose petals being thrown right. on the floor as they walk. All right. types of stuff. Because that's the only way that she can right. rectify it. Prove it. So you had a, a, a learning experience with Wendy, which catapulted you a few years later into the Breakfast Club. How did that whole, how, how did you and Jen uh, Envy come together? Well, I got fired from Wendy November of 2008. That was just because, like, the economy was in the toilet. So, like, everybody was getting fired. Like, I got, I got fired on November 2nd. And the reason I remember that because President Barack Obama became president-elect on November 3rd. So I got fired November 2nd. They fired, like, 30 people. So I was cool with that, even though I had too much pride to go collect unemployment. You know what I mean? My wife was working at the time, so she was holding it down with the bills and stuff. And then my daughter, my first daughter, was born June of that year. So I was just a stay-at-home dad. And then I got put on the radio in Philly, like, around May of 2009. And so I worked in Philly for like eight, nine months and got fired again. Mm-hmm. And that time I went home. I was like, man, I'm, I said, this city shit ain't for me. I'm going back to <laughs> South Carolina. We all packed up, me, my now wife, my first daughter. We went back to South Carolina. I stayed there for a year. But prior to that, I always had kept in touch with my man G-Spin, you know. And um, G-Spin was the assistant program director at Power 105 at the time. And he, he was the one that kind of like, he had bought NVN. He had me on the radar. And then he was telling um, Cadillac Jack, who's another mentor of mine, just about us constantly. And so it literally meant I was in New York for the summer once, and, I, and that the summer of 09, I remember hitting up G-Spin, like, yo, I'm in town. He was like, yo, come to the station right now. So we, I, I went to the station, and when I went to the station, he was like, yo, my, 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 my boss, Cadillac Jack, he been in here watching your videos all morning. Because me and Duval was doing, the, uh, little Duval was doing the Hood State of the Union, which was like a a web series that we would do. We would just talk about topics, you know, just before podcasts, so that's what we was doing. Right. And Cadillac was like, yo, man, you know, we had this whole conversation. He actually asked me about Wendy's husband because I had had a meeting with them before and Wendy's husband was with me. And when, unbeknownst to me, when we had left the meeting, everybody that worked in that building was like, yo, you cannot hire Charlemagne if Wendy's husband is his oh, manager. really? That guy is bad news, mm. right? So I remember him saying to me, uh, uh, is that still your manager? And I said, no. He said, why? I said, because when I pray to God to take neg- negativity out of my life, he's not swinging at things. He's swinging at people mm-hmm. that are the embodiment of that negativity. And I'm like, and he was like, oh, okay. <clears throat> and then he was like, yo, how long can you wait for this job? <clears throat> and I'm like, for this? Whenever the opportunity presents itself. Right. And then, like, I think we started November of that year. Mm-hmm. And that was 2010. You guys are 10 years deep now, right? Yeah. Next month, next month will be 10 years. Mm. Yeah, whatever they say, I don't know what it's saying, but yeah, November, November will be 10 years. Who were some of the most memorable interviews you had <clears throat> from the beginning to uh, up to current? Man, that's, that, that's such a broad question because I really sat down in front of people that I never thought I'd be sitting down mm. in front of. You know what I'm saying? When you, I've been doing radio 22 years. Mm-hmm. When I sit back and I think about when I first started, you know, I, I've sat down with Senator Clinton, Senator Hillary Clinton. And Senator. Sat down with Donald Minister Louis Farrakhan quite a few mm-hmm. times. I sat down with Dick Gregory, mm-hmm. you know, Angela Bassett. Like, stuff like that freaks me out. Like, yeah. I, that's Angela Bassett. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how everybody else feel about her, but me, I'm like, yo, I sat down with Magic Johnson. Like, I, get to, I got to ask Magic about catching HIV. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and asking him a, a question that I've always thought about. Like, when you first got it, did you think about every little woman that you've been with throughout your whole life mm. and be like, damn, I bet you it was a young lady mm. from Sacramento. And he was like, hell yeah. That's you know what I'm saying? That's fucked up. He said Sacramento. No. <laughs> 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 but it's just like, but it's just like those conversations. Right. I never thought I'd be able to ask the stuff I've always thought about with people to them. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like, man, I don't, I, I, I can't sit here and say which one is more memorable because Sitting down with Lorenz Tate is memorable to me. Right. You know okay. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, sitting down with Neil Long is memorable to me. 
just as memorable as sitting down with a vice president Joe Biden or any of those ones that go viral. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, all of these people mean something to me in, 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 in various ways. Was there a person or a time you felt kind of like, damn, I just interviewed so-and-so, like, I feel like I've made it now? Was there a time, like, a that light came on? When did you feel like you had made it? Uh, nah. No? Nah. I still, no. Nah. Because, you know, we live in such a fast-paced world, you're only as good Man, as your last uh, conversation. Yeah, you don't have time right? to sit in really. So it's just like... Well, I'm supposed to just sit back and be cool because Hillary Clinton talked about hot sauce. It's like, nah, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then literally, you know what's so crazy? That week, that, that Hillary Clinton hot sauce thing was Monday. That Friday was Birdman. Put some respect on Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, that's the way Shifts. it moves. It moves right. just that fast. Like, Hillary be your biggest interview on a Monday. Literally, that was our biggest interview ever on a Monday. And then Friday, no, this is really your biggest, in- like, numbers-wise, analytic-wise, this is your biggest interview ever. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't never feel like I'm... I've made it. I haven't, I haven't got to that feeling. I did get to a place of worthy. And I got to that place last December. You know what I mean? Just feeling like I'm worthy. Like, not dealing with imposter syndrome. Like, mm-hmm. feeling like I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be because God wants reason. me to be here. Everything you get, you deserve. Absolutely. Yes, sir. But I never felt like, you know, I've made it. Who are some of the people you looked up to in this space or who, who have actually mentored you uh, in this space? Oh, man, so many. I mean, from afar, people like Petey Green. You know, Petey Green. Green, Green, that shit was dope. You know, there's a movie called uh, Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. Don yeah. Cheeto plays. Classic, yeah, that's man. classic, classic movie. man. And like Petey is like, Petey is what I think every black radio personality should be. You mm-hmm. know, and he reminded me so much of me because he didn't have no formal training. Like he was a voice in jail. Yeah. You know, like that's how he basically got discovered and ended up getting put on the radio. You know, so it's just like him, the Tom Joiners of the world, because when it comes to the business of radio. Those are the brothers that figured it out early. You know, they figured out that ownership part of it, of it, of it early. You know, Steve Harvey, Doug Banks, you know, Sway, Big Boy, Angie Martinez, oh. Wendy Williams. Like, and, he, and the beauty of it, these are people, some of these people I've actually gotten a chance to get game from. Right, You right. know, like In I worked with Wendy for three years. In your you circle, right. Angie, I talked to Angie Martinez now, often, you know. Um, Big Boy, he works at iHeart. Like, me and him have conversations. Sway's always giving me game, so... It's just like I learned from all of them, you know what I mean? Because they all paved the way for me to even be doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned ownership, which I love. Um, you've recently teamed up with iHeart uh, and created Black Effect. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that's about? Yeah, the Black Effect Podcast Network, man. It's like um, the audio business is booming, you know? And I've been with Breakfast Club for 10 years, but I've been doing my own podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, for like six years. You know, so I, I had a 10% ownership stake in a podcast network called Loudspeaker. You know, so I've been watching, you know, just the inner workings of the podcast game from that perspective for a long time. And then, you know, when you sit back and you start seeing Bill Simmons doing what he's doing with The Ringer and you see what Gimlet is doing and you see what Anchor is doing, you see what Barstool is doing, you sit back and you're like, well, why there's no mm-hmm. black network like that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You got... These networks that have black shows, but what is the network that's like majority on black and is really paying attention to what's going on in our culture and really knows the voices that needs to be, amplified. you know, amplified. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hmm, let me let me build that. So that's where my mind has been for like the past three or four years. And I knew my my contract was up in December. I think I put myself in a position to where they would want to negotiate with me. Yeah. You know, I think I got yeah. a, a little mm-hmm. bit of, as mm-hmm. Diddy calls it, black leverage, mm-hmm. you know. So I was like, look, man, you know, I don't want to be talent. Like, you know, you already know I'm in this podcast space. You know, I'm going to take this somewhere. So let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love you. And they was with it. It was, it was not no hesitation, like literally no hesitation. So we created this whole other company called the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm majority owner of it, you mm-hmm. know, along with iHeart. And it's enabling me to use their resources and their finances to invest in us. Mm-hmm. And I love it, too, because like we said, with the allocation of, of the NBA money, they need to be able to work with pillars in those communities. Absolutely. You're a pillar of our community. So like you said, you're able to use iHeart's resources and, and all this, the amazing shit that comes with iHeart to help focus on us and help grow us. And, you know, I'm excited to obviously have all the smoke as a partner. Man, I'm so happy that y'all partnered. I remember I remember when they hit hit me and they was like, yo, we might have a chance to partner with all the smoke. I'm like, do it. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, do it. Give them whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it was like 
Same thing, black leverage, because mm-hmm. y'all got numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know, like they, they can't front on y'all. They can't tell y'all what they, they think y'all should get. The numbers there's, don't lie. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a market value, and mm-hmm. you either got to meet that or don't. We know what we were. We appreciate it, man. Like I said, we obviously, Showtime, shout out Showtime. Shout out to Showtime. But yeah, now iHeart and Black Effect, we're proud to be a part of that family, too. You know, you and I talk once a week on just strategizing and how can, oh, that was man. the first thing I told when I, when I when we got over there. I was like, bro, I want to help you really grow this shit. Like, you know, I'm not just a talking head on a podcast. Like, let's, like, they put someone in control now that really has a pulse for our culture. So that made me excited. Like, that gave me hope. Like, okay, here we come. And what, what, I, I hit him the other day. I was like, what, what do you think about a black bar stool? And he's like, shit, that's what we're trying to. That's yeah. what I, that's it's what I. You just said that the whole time. We was on the elevator. You called him the black Ben Simmons. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, yeah. Because yeah, I told him he's yeah. about to cash out yeah. like Bill did. I, yeah. told, I told Matt, I'm like, yo, that's what I see all the smoke eventually being. He wants mm-hmm. us to give us a little. Let me tell him. Yeah, I want to see all the smoke have. All the smoke needs is its network. It's all mm-hmm. right. Where they just rolling out those voices in sports that are like y'all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's a and only y'all know that. Mm-hmm. Only Matt and Steven know who those other voices yeah. are that are like y'all. Okay? Those guys that are cut from that cloth. They're attracted to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. Like that's 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 why this show works. It's plenty Sports guys have gotten together and done shows, but we ain't never seen sports from a real nigga perspective. Right, mm. definitely. And that's just the yeah. truth to the battle. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I've also liked that you've been for a while, like you said, you've had your podcast, you've dabbled in MTV with productions, uh, you have the Emerging Hollywood uh, on YouTube. One thing that I thought was really dope, though, because you, we've been hearing your growth and, 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 and your evolution as, a, as not only a, a black man, but a, a businessman as well. But one thing that touched me was the, 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 uh, the Wi-Fi situation that you provided was it, was it in Columbia? Yeah, Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Because that shit, just like, God, that was so dope. Yeah. My man, um, Mayor Stephen Benjamin, you know what I'm saying? Salute to Steve Benjamin, black man, Columbia, South Carolina. That's why local politics is so important. Because mm-hmm. I can't pick up the phone and get to the president, you know what I mean? But I'm from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Columbia. My wife went to the University of South Carolina. I can pick up the phone and, and hit my man Steve. And it's just a matter of like, yo, Steve, what... What does the city need right now? Because I usually do a book bag drive every year, and I've been doing that for years in my hometown of Monk's Corner, but that just didn't feel right this year. So I just reached out to Steve, and he was like, man, that's so, I'm so happy you hit me, and he introduced me to this um, company called Ignite Cities. And basically what Ignite Cities is doing is making sure that people have Wi-Fi in these various areas, you know? And it was just like, yo, this is how much it's going to cost, and w- they can make it happen. I'm like, that's easy, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. now that I did it, it got it gets the ball rolling on the city because now no, the I city wonder. look kind of crazy. Like, right. oh man, Damn. we letting someone came in one of our, 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 our citizens <laughs> outdo us. Outdo us. So now the next round, they gotta handle that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you know that's why I don't really like to talk about things like that. But I, I realize it's just like why people stunt, right? People stunt and they get inspired. Right? You mm-hmm. see somebody with a car yeah. that you want. And you like, damn, I want that. You see somebody with a chain. I'm like, oh, well, I want, I want that. to do that now. Like I said, the yeah. fact that I saw you do that, I was going to ask you how because I want to get to the point. Where, like, people don't understand. Like, we're in a new. I mean, I have kids and we're on online school, and that shit is terrible. But I couldn't imagine if my kids couldn't get online and get their Oof, schoolwork done. Right. You know, what you say? You saw kids trying to take Wi-Fi from Taco Bell. Yeah, or something. they were was, sitting right next to Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. an article I read, and it was these kids. They was literally doing their homework at in the Taco parking Bell lot, in the, the parking lot. Had yeah, Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, I've right. seen that. And 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 Stephen and. Already, t- man, Steve had already told me about it, man. Benjamin, so I, when he, when I read that article, and, I, and he told me, I was like, man, we gotta do this ASAP. Right. Like, let's, let's get this done. I need to, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that in Sacramento too, so I need to get that info. I'm we're gonna, we're gonna talk. Word. How important has it been for you in your journey? Like I said, I just saying your praises, but how important has it been for you to empower the black voice, not only in your space, but in the athletic space, in the politics space, in the community space? That's all I care about. Like, if I was an NBA player, I would definitely want to lead the league and assist more than scoring points. Like, Mm -hmm. that's all I care about. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, like, I've always, regardless of what platform I was on, whether it was Breakfast Club, whether it was my podcast, whether it was the shows I was doing on Viacom, like Uncommon Sense, like, I always want to give everybody else an opportunity, you know what I mean? Because I feel like that's how you live forever, right? Yeah. Eventually, your star is going to mm-hmm. burn out. Eventually, people mm-hmm. are going to get tired of seeing you front and center all the time. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you alive? You know, what you keeps you alive is who you open the door for. When I look mm-hmm. at guys like Jay-Z, like look at the, all the fruit off Jay-Z's Dr. tree. Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, no, no Rihanna. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Rihanna there, yeah. and Kanye. Yeah. And, 
J. Cole, all those yeah. people like That's that. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, Dr. Dre, yeah, yeah, Dr. Dre is another yeah. person who got right. fruit right. from a tree. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I want to be that. Like, you right. want to be that guy that you empowered. But so you're doing it in people. a new space, though, too. A you know what I mean? You're doing it in a new space. Yeah. Music has been, they've had their struggles, don't get me wrong, and they've been able to do it, but you're in this multimedia space that has, has been and still is dominated by a certain culture. So. Yeah, I just want to do it for the things that I know I'm good at. Like, I'm good in the audio space. Mm-hmm. I'm good in the book world. You know what I'm saying? So being that I'm good in those spaces, I can provide opportunities in those spaces. Right. That's what's up. This motherfucking interview has been going. This is probably my, to me, this has been the most smooth interview we've done. Yeah. Just on pace, yeah. on beat, from thing to <laughs> yeah. thing. It's been, he, yeah. it's flowing. He even slid in a couple questions. Yeah. <laughs> he been doing you know, it you know it's still in it. <laughs> Um, shit, we're coming to the end. This shit went by quick as fuck. Um, top five hip-hop albums in your mind. Before uh, you start, Good Trouble, eight songs I'm dropping on uh, George Floyd's birthday. I'm going to send it to you early, though. Good Trouble? You got this one called Good Trouble. Okay. Who? I know you got Trey on there. It's just me on there. Oh, all right. Just okay. me. Okay. Self-plug. That's why we got a show. Top That's five. Yeah. Right, either we, can do al- we can either do albums or we can do art. Artists. Yeah, it's easy for me to do artists. Okay, let's do artists. I, and I really do have a top. I got a top seven. Okay, let me hear. My top seven is is, is Jay Z. Number one. I he he pro, he probably means the most. Ghostface is my favorite mm. rapper of all time. Mm. But Jay Z is probably the most important rapper of of, of of all time to me. Right. Then Scarface, Loveface, Ti, Jeezy, Killer Mike, and and Nas. Ooh. That's that's my that's my top seven mm-hmm. that I can go listen to any of their albums at any given time and be be content. Who's yours? My top five or seven? Mm-hmm. What a top five or seven? Uh, I'm going Pac, Jay Z, Face, Nas, Bun B. Yeah, Bun Cole. Mm. Bun Cole, I, we forget about Bun only because he was part of a group. Like, if, you name, if I name groups, yeah. I'm putting you GK. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we forget about how cold Bun is, yeah. man. Yeah. I got Pac. I got Big. I got Jay. I got Snoop. I got Nip. I was about to say, you got as much as you listen to Nip, bro. Yeah, you got to put Nip, Nip in yours. Yeah. I love Nip. I love Nip. that, man. Nip, that, that, that. That that legacy, that's what you call a stolen legacy, man. So fast. Mm-hmm. See, I see I got so my brother always puts me out of music. So when I was coming to LA in two thousand nine, ten, he's like, You gotta listen to Nip. Same. Like he's just he's your fuck with him. So I, I started listening to his shit and instantly fell in love and then I came to the Lakers the next season. So I hit dude on a DM and he hit me right back. I was like, yo, new to the Lakers, you know, went to UCLA, come to a game, came to a game and just hit it off with him. I mean, it's genuine down to earth. Yep. And then I've seen him evolve from when he was riding around to little shows and I'd be following him to, to shows and we'd be upstairs. I'd be with a bunch of 60s upstairs on the Lakers smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Like, is that Matt Barnes from the Lakers back there smoking <laughs> with me? You know what I mean? So to be able to see his elevation from when I, when I, when I learned him on him in 09 to what he left us with, like you said, that was a star shot down early. I met, I'm saying with my homegirl, Debbie Brown, she was doing radio in LA on, on K-Day. So when I used to go out there, she used to put me on all the new rappers. So it was Kendrick, it was Nipsey, it was mm-hmm. Glasses Malone, Bishop Lamont. And I remember hearing that bullet saying, got no name. I was like, God, Cole, right? damn. But his evolution too, what, what, the, the content in which he rapped it, and he rapped about his evolvement too yep. and his evolution. Absolutely. That shit was- You heard it through every project. Man. Crenshaw, Mailbox Money, mm-hmm. up until Victory Lap. Mm-hmm. And that was what's- To spooky. think about, that was his first album though. Yes. Victory Lap was his first. I mean, he obviously, he has, if you yeah, know his history, sound. he's got his history, but that was just his, that was number one. And it was called Victory Lap. It's crazy. Like, think about that. Your first debut album on a major label, which ends up being your last album is called Victory Lap. Like it's almost like some foreshadowing, mm, like some Pac yeah. shit. Like man, yo, he said that. He said he's Tupac his generation. Mm-hmm. We gotta ask him a question that we 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 forget to ask our guests. So who do, who do you think should be on our show next? But 
when you answer that question, it got to be somebody that you can help us get on here. Oh, this motherfucker know everybody, too. No, he said Jay-Z. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> Jay-Z on All the Smoke Will Be Fire. I, I, I want to see Shaq on here for some reason. I, I just tapped in with Shaq. He, he, Shaq, you've been motherfucking Hollywood in this, bro. We hit you last year. You said you was coming. Then Jack hit you, and you said you was coming. Then you disappeared to start doing all these motherfucking commercials. Yeah. I just talked to him last week, though. He gave me his new number. He said it's on. He said as soon as the playoffs are over, playoffs are about to be over, Shaq. Man, we know you, you, know you got to go to all these banks to make all these deposits because you're getting all this money, but you know, just make, make a little time for us, for us man. You know, I you know why I want to see Shaq on here? Because Shaq got, he got some real nigga he's suppressing. Oh, man. <laughs> you know like a But it's only because he of has, it's the his position he's in. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think if he get around y'all, we'll... He let, let it knows. out to me on text messages all okay. the time. Yeah. Trust okay. me. He no, let, he it, let it out. Okay. Yo, he was one of the craziest <laughs> team I can't wait to talk about, man. The shit he used to do in the locker room, if he talks about it, it's going to blow people away. That motherfucker was a seven foot two. 360-pound kid. Yeah, like, comedian. funny yeah. as a motherfucker. But see, that's anyway. the inside info that y'all have that right. other people don't have. Right. Like, you was in the locker room with Shaq. Doing mm-hmm. shit. So the conversations are different. That's why, even if you watch a show like Drink Champs with Nori, right, the reason Nori can talk to these guys the way he does because he, he was there. on the roll with them. He there. was there. inside information. Yeah, like, that's mm-hmm. what AI was saying with us because we've been there. We felt every emotion. We've been, you know what I mean? So I like that, Shaq. Good Five right. dinner guests. Dead or alive? Oh man, um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, um, Martin Luther King Jr., Pop, Nip, and who? Maya Angelou. Ooh. Considering the climate we're in right now, one book you would recommend for people to read? Message, well, for black people, or just in general? I tell everybody, man, you gotta. If you've never read A Message to the Black Man by Elijah Muhammad, that's an amazing book for every black man on this planet. To read, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, because there's so many different life lessons that we can apply to what's going on now, from mm-hmm. poli- to politics, to diet, to you know mental health, mindfulness, everything. It's like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was was 80 years ahead of everybody mm-hmm. when he wrote that book. On the flip side, people who are trying to align with us, a book you would recommend for them to read or understand us. Honestly, to understand us, man, I think um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. And the reason I say the autobiography of Malcolm X is because. You see what happens when a black man is, is, is put in a certain environment, right? But you also see what happens when a black person is provided opportunity. Because mm-hmm. I always say the greatest book about growth and evolution that I've ever read in my life is the autobiography of Malcolm X. Malcolm Little going to Malcolm X. And I think mm-hmm. that's what one thing people don't understand about the Nation of Islam. They provide that opportunity for black people that America's not. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. They provide those tools and those resources for mm-hmm. black people that America's not. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can get a Malcolm Little to turn into a mm-hmm. Malcolm X. That's mm-hmm. how you can get a Cassius Clay to turn into a Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I, I think that if, if white people read that book, they would understand that you know, black people aren't inherently evil. You know what I mean? This system put us in a fucked up position. Mm-hmm. And in order for this system to, 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 to really atone for its sins, it's got to provide things for us to get us out mm-hmm. this fucked up position. Mm-hmm. And since we know that's not going to happen, we're going to have to do it ourselves. Straight up. <laughs> Last right. question. Who is your one figure you look up to? Dead or alive? A lot. Oh, oh that's Jay-Z. For sure. Definitely. Who's yours? Mm, good question. <laughs> Explain yours and then I'll I'll give you mine. Jay Z Jay Z for good. me because and you're so crazy when I when I first listened to Jay Z I didn't I didn't like Jay Z only because like you know I come from the South I was into like the, the gritty grimy stuff so it was just like yo, this dude was talking about so much money and all that big Willie talk I was like I don't want to hear that but the reason I I look up to him is because it's just like watching his evolution from a coming in the game as a rapper entrepreneur. But the things he used to talk about to all to always when I say always, always showing us where he's at in his life. Uh-huh. If you listen to every Jay Z album, you could tell exactly where he was at in his life. He went from the player uh-huh. who was kicking girls out at six in the morning to now being the husband, uh-huh. family man, going to therapy. And if you've ever had the, the pleasure of just being up at Rock Nation, it's just like, like that's what you would want your company to look like. Uh-huh. It's his uh-huh. family and it's his his long-time he is friends. A yeah, he's really like the blueprint, you know, and, and the way he just quietly shows up for his people mm-hmm. all the time. Like, and he's been doing it for all years. The time. Right. We just getting hip to all of the things all that, the that that he's done. But it's just like when I look at him, he's just a good um representation of what 
I think a black man is like you know you you dealt the worst hand. Mm -hmm. You make you make the you make the best of that hand you were dealt. Become a billionaire, but you take your your people with you every step of the way. The people that are willing to grow with you, though, mm -hmm. the never ones that aren't willing to grow with you, meant to every, go. it ain't meant for everybody. But the ones that are go. that are that are willing to grow with you and that's supposed to be there, they still with you. And he represents that that to me. Jack, to answer your question, I, I guess I look at it different. Um, you know, to be able to play as long as I play in the NBA, my transition into this space, there's people I look up to. So he's one of them. Um, Stephen A. Smith is one of them. Michael Strahan, who is, to me, the ultimate because he was able to cross from professional athlete to sports, but then to mainstream media too. And that's what I really want to do. Like, I love sports, but I want to transition into like real um, life. And then uh, Kevin Frazier. Kevin. Right, right, right. Kevin is dope. Kevin's helped me in this space. You told me one. I didn't know I could name more. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jack surprised me. I wasn't ready for my own question. Who's yours? Uh, I think the only person I look up to is my little brother. For the simple fact that I wanted to be that guy that dated one woman through high school, had kids by working, one family, doing everything the right way. I got kids all over the place. Yes, you do. You know what I'm saying? So, that's only because you're allergic to condoms, so that's not really that, your fault. That, that's not what it was. <laughs> that's not what it was. But, uh, but uh, seriously, though, nah, I, I honestly look up to my little brother because he's done everything the right way. Obviously, he wanted my life. He wanted to play basketball, <clears throat> but it didn't work out for him. But his life and the way the man he is and how he takes care of our whole family, when mm -hmm. anybody calls, he there for him. That's the that's the man I really want to Shout be. out to Snap Marley. Yeah, shout out to Snap Marley. He got some twins, too. They're the same age as my he got, twins, yeah, right? Yeah, he got twins and yeah. a junior. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy you say that about, because it's, it's, it's guys that I've, and I, I'm, I'm totally faithful to my wife now. I've been faithful for four years, since October 2016. But How long you been with her? Yeah, 20, 22 <laughs> years. But that don't, you know, I like it, know. though, man. It's a change. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? You gave us a date. What Jack said is real. It's like, yo, we do look up to these guys that are faithful to their women. Yeah. Early Different. on. You know Different. what I'm saying? Like, it, like, I didn't have that kind of discipline. Well, because you know how tough it is. You know how tough it is. Like I admire anybody that kids because I've I've never been perfect when it comes to that. That's that's a hard. Did he have options though? That's uh -huh. another good. Did you well, well, I just I just think he understood what he wanted with his life at a young mm -hmm. age. You know what I'm saying? Like being seeing my grandmother, my grandfather, being together for so long. You know what I'm saying? My mom. You know she really just dedicated our life to us. It's certain things that triggered him to do things the right way. He right, was around right. me. He seen me doing all that stuff. He seen women around me. He was just so focused on doing things the right way. And that's what I wanted. But I was distracted by right. other shit. That's yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do my household the way my father, and I love my pops, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't want to do my household the way I saw him do his household. Same here. You know what I'm saying? Like, same he, here. he got caught with his dick in the dirt. He's still with the same woman, so clearly that was meant to be, right? right. But him and my mom got divorced, and then mm -hmm. that kind of like, to me, Messed the family up, right? So I didn't, I didn't want to do that in my house. Ooh, right. You know? I can dig it. Right. Well, that's a wrap. Charlotte Bay, man, we appreciate your time. Nah, thank you. Bro, great man. show. They've been waiting on yeah, this. Yeah, great show. They've been waiting on this, man. Nah, thank you for having me. That's a wrap. All the smoke. You can find this on Showtime, Basketball YouTube, and the iHeart Family Black Effects. Yes. And all the smoke network coming soon. Ooh. Coming soon. Fuck it, heard it. You bitch you. You bitch you. <laughs> Shout out Snoop. This is all the smoke. A production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio in partnership with Showtime.